Good day, good day, good day, everyone. It's Peter Dunn, Pete the Planner, host of the Pete the Planner show. Every Friday around 10 a.m. And by around 10 a.m., yeah, I was a minute and a half late today, everybody. Uh, around 10 a.m., uh, we live stream the recording of our syndicated radio show. Joining me, as always, is Damien Dunn. Hello, Damien. Hello, Pete. First time viewers, uh, we are not related. Are, are we two bold white men of the same age and same uh, family structure? We, we, in fact, are. Do we have the same last name? In fact, we do. Uh, could we pass as brothers? Oh, absolutely. Are we related? No. Dame, I have got not a lot of time today to record the show. Last week's podcast and show was an hour long because I was very talkative. There's our friend Jeremy joined us on uh, Facebook Live. Hello, Jeremy. Um, I, think, I think people enjoyed it. You think so? The longer? Yeah. yeah. Today, not so much. Today, uh, I've got a big, big day planned of it doesn't particularly matter. All right, Dame, let's get ready to record the show here. Uh, topics this week. Can you go over them real quickly uh, for me again? No. No, okay. I can't. <laughs> that's that's a problem. Um, okay, let's... Uh, we're talking about uh, confidence and retirement? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Retirement confidence. Let's start there. Okay. Ready to start the show? I'm ready to start the show. Uh, in three, two, one. This week on the Pete the Planner Show, we answer your money questions. Here's how the show works. You email us, askpete at petetheplanner.com. That's Ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com, and when you do that, some magical things will happen. Actually, we might just answer your email. Uh, Dame Dunn, Damian Dunn, joins me as always. He's the Vice President of Advice at Your Money Line and Hey Money. Hello, Dame. I don't know if I've ever heard somebody say Dame Dunn before. It's sort of like Dame Dalla, what uh, Dame Lillard uh, from the Portland Trailblazers, that's his rap name. I happen oh. to know that because I have a nine-year-old son who cares. All right, Dame, this week on the show... And a few things. First segment here, we're going to talk about retirement confidence and why it actually matters and why it is studied. Uh, and the next segment after that, which would be segment number two, we're going to talk about how income differential amongst married people, when it's very big, can create some unique challenges. Segment three, we're going to talk about the big buy now, pay later phenomenon that's happening all over the internet and why it uh, has some interesting data. Uh, surrounding it and of course biggest waste of money of the week and the news dame uh in the last well actually uh i think it's like 30 years or so there has been a study of people's confidence in their ability to retire in fact um there's an annual retirement confidence survey and it's the 31st annual and it comes from the employee benefit research institute and the greenwald research institute and this year's flavor suggests that people have misplaced confidence in their ability to retire. And it's weird. It manifests itself in weird ways. For instance, um, a significant number of people within retirement feel, uh, prior to retirement, feel like they're going to receive support from family members or friend, something like 40%, when in fact it's actually 15% of retirees receive financial assistance from families and friends. So actually it's 35% of people think they will, but the number is so much smaller. Why do you think things like this uh, cause so many problems? I'm still trying to wrap my mind around 35% of people think they'll be receiving assistance from friends or family members in retirement. That's um, way higher than, than I would have expected. Now, maybe there are some deals that have been made with 
you know, kids or, or siblings of some sort, and maybe assistance is counted as, um, you know, mom's moving in with us uh, after dad goes or something like that. I, I guess I could understand that, but uh, the immediate thought of having dollar bills transferred one or the other, um, 35% seems seems higher than I anticipated because that doesn't seem like something someone would readily admit to. So the fact that it's 35% is um, really a head scratcher. Why is this? Um, probably a lack of communication well, it would be the uh, the number one. People assume uh, the family member might have meant one thing when, when really there was nothing of the sort that was intended. That's just going to get back to a really common place that we seem to find ourselves in uh, around the show, Pete, is uh, um, really rough relationships, strained relationships because of uh, miscommunication between two different parties. The other interesting aspect is the number of people who think they will work for income in retirement compared to the number of people who actually do work in retirement for income. And and this is a really significant point because what, what will happen when someone just gets exhausted with their work career and so they start just doing some math and they're saying things like, okay, well, I got social security, got a little bit of a nest egg. If I supplement those things with some work income, I can actually retire. I'm only going to need to work 10 to 15 hours a week. Mm -hmm. So Dame, even before they don't end up working 10 to 15 hours a week, that's a problematic plan because eventually they won't be able to work 10 to 15 hours a week. But man, I, I still see that, that idea out there quite a bit. I would be interested to know, did, did, are those numbers close by? Uh, did they say what percentage of people thought they would versus uh, do work in retirement? Uh, they are. I'm trying to find it. The share of retirement say they receive income from a product. No, that's not it. <laughs> the I, answer I, is no. I, would guess I, I that, don't have it close. I would guess it'd be flip-flop from the last number. I would guess that uh, more people would, or fewer people would assume that they are going to work in retirement and more people end up working in retirement to make ends meet. That would be my assumption. Yeah, so 68% of people think working for pay is going to be part of their strategy, 68%. Um, and the number uh, is significantly less. Of course, it's not in front of me, which makes for a great radio show. You know what I mean? That Let's is do a... a show where I don't actually give any data, but the segment is based in data. How about that? That is, that is a bleak number. 68%, two-thirds of Americans that are approaching retirement assume or think they're going to have to work to make ends meet in retirement. Yeah. Yeah. I watched a, uh, neither, neither here nor there, but talking about the, um, uh, this topic in, in, um, a little bit different terms, a debate between two individuals and it, the, the pictures they painted couldn't have been more stark about retirement in America today. Uh, one person of course wanted to blow everything up and go to basically, a. um, guaranteed pensions for everyone that are funded by uh, the the government and the other person thought that things were going quite nicely and enough people had savings that there were very few people that that needed uh, extra assistance to try and make it through retirement that number right there tells me 68 you know, percent of people think they're going to have to work in retirement there's a disconnect somewhere okay well i found the data so you want to talk about the disconnect uh 68% of people think that they will work for pay as a means to fund retirement when the actual survey of retirees suggest 20% of people, two in 10, actually work. So from seven out of 10 believe that's going to happen, 
two out of 10 actually do, that's a problem. And, the, and I find the strangest part of this survey about retirement confidence that, that's going to confuse everyone now is the only thing that people tend to place confidence in and when in which they are correct and they're underestimating the positive impact, social security. It is the one element of this survey which continues to over-deliver on what people expect. I was at a, a symposium. Actually, I don't know. It was a conference. I don't actually know the difference. Anyway, I was there a couple weeks ago. We were talking about this topic. I mean, what other sort of conference am I going to go to? Like a modeling conference? I'm, I'm going to talk about social security benefits. Dame, the whole concept of this session I went to was that Yes, Social Security is struggling. You, you, you hear all these stories about how the, the, the fund is going to be gone. Never going to happen. It's never going to be gone. It, it will not fail. And I'm not, I'm not teasing it or testing it or I'm not jinxing it or anything like that. Dave, Social Security will, will be around. There will be some small adjustments here and there. What is withheld from our paychecks to fund Social Security? Oh, that's going to go up. Absolutely. The age of which you can claim it, it could go up. But it will absolutely be there. Absolutely. Even if it, even if no changes occur going forward right now, and it goes, um, you know, not bankrupt, but if it, if it just gets by on revenues collected as they are, benefits will be about three quarters of what they are. Now, that's a big difference for some people, for sure. However, it's not going away. There's no politician that's going to allow this to go away at this point unless they really feel good about it and want to lose their jobs in the next election. It's time for math on the radio. Dame, let's say Mrs. Planner and I collectively uh, go, uh, let's say we get uh, $4,000 a month in Social Security retirement. Okay, let's say okay. that. That's $48,000 a year. I did, I did the math for you there. Okay, now let's say we receive that for 20 years. Okay. That's almost a million dollars. It's $960,000 we would receive from the system. That is why the system is better than everyone wants to give it credit for is that what I just gave very reasonable numbers there and I will have a million dollars worth of income from the system. That's why it outpaces the confidence that people place in it. Yeah. Social security is not a, not just some chump benefit for sure. It's real. And while it's popular to beat up everything that the government does, that system actually works. Coming up after the break, Dame, income differential amongst couples. Does it make someone sleep on the couch? Probably. I'm Pete the Planner, and this is the show. Weird. My brain. So, Dame, you know this, but I thought I would complain publicly to everyone else here today. Um, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, between those three business days, as we call them, I did 12 live shows and I, I can barely think at this point in time. And I know that every day of a teacher's life or six to seven hours worth of live shows. I understand that. I'm cognizant of that. I'm appreciative of that, acknowledging of that. But there's something about doing 12 live shows in three days. Uh, and I am, I can't even think. I don't think I'd ever put the, uh, the teacher equivalent in there. That puts a little bit different perspective on it. Because clearly you know, not married to a teacher. Their crowds are rough. <laughs> yes, they are. All right. So uh, girls soccer team update. Uh, I'm the fun coach. And the other coach is also fun. But he's also the tough coach. 
So I'm the assistant coach, the, uh, the tough coach, the actual coach that knows what he's doing was out on Tuesday. So I'm the only coach. And when the fun coach is the only coach there, it's a nightmare. It was nightmare. In fact, uh, what ends up happening is it's like you're being a, you're a substitute teacher mm-hmm. and no one listens to you. So that was a nightmare. Then last night at practice, the good coach is back, right? And then so now I'm just the fun coach again, which takes all the pressure off. But then at the end of the practice, coach will give people like a pep talk. We had a tournament this week and we're going to, we want to win. Of course, he's like, all right, we're going to win this tournament. He points me, he goes, coach, you got anything to add? And I go, <laughs> I'm just like, I wasn't thinking and it passed to me and I go, um, uh, I go, you girls want to, you want to have fun? Best way to have fun is to win. <laughs> <laughs> and my daughter, my daughter gets this look on her face and she mouths to me, awkward. <laughs> and it was, it was incredibly awkward. I can't um, wait for the update next week on how, uh, whatever the name of the team is, did this weekend. Uh, I will tell you this, that on Tuesday at one point during practice, I'm coaching in, in, in like, I'm making the girls run so much because they're not listening. Like fun coach turned into like angry over his head coach. At one point, they're running so much and still not listening. What I ended up doing was I was like, all right, you guys pick one girl to race me. If she beats me, you don't have to run anymore. So they picked the fastest girl on our team, of course. <clears throat> I smoked her. Oh, I wow. smoked her. Now, I can't walk. My left hamstring has given up. How far was this race? Ah, uh, the uh, it was four, well. I'm smart. I went forty. I went like a forty. Okay, yeah. If I had gone like the whole length of the eleven v eleven field, I would have been in trouble. All right, Dan. Back to the show. Um, income differential amongst couples. Three, right. two, one. Back on the Pete the Planner show, Dame. Uh, uh, hello, by the way, all to uh, our listeners on the uh, network, Indiana. Uh, all over the state of Indiana on your lovely radio station, you're hearing these words. And of course, the Pete the Planner Radio Network. Dame, so I was doing a live event this week, a live streaming event for a client, and I realized that I may have gotten one of the best questions uh, during the Q&A session that I've gotten in a really long time. And the question went like this, what do I need to consider uh, outside of the obvious, given that my spouse and I make very different amounts of money uh and we're newly married uh and we don't talk about money a lot and i was like okay you know that i don't want to call it problematic but it's certainly something to think about and it's certain certainly something to get out in front of and dame i'm going to start in a really dark pragmatic place and then we will get to maybe a little more uh, a lighter place from a pragmatic standpoint that's why life insurance exists uh, because if, if you have a household income and we'll just make up numbers here, one person makes 150,000, the other person makes 30,000, it's 180,000, did the math for you. If the 150,000 person earner is dead, then the $30,000 is not going to cut it, uh, because your lifestyle is likely based on the combined income. So that's why life insurance starts. Life insurance is very important. The other overlooked, often overlooked, uh, aspect of insurance is disability insurance, same process, except now you've got, uh, you know, still the same number of people living in the household and drastically less income. So you've got to figure out a way to make your household function financially 
from month to month. And if you've already got obligations that you can't easily adjust or, or defer or just get rid of, you're going to need some income. So disability income, you're way more likely to need that as a young couple than you are life insurance at that point. So often overlooked, uh, check with your employer, see what kind of deals they've got for disability insurance, but maybe go look for some on your own too. That might be the better option for a lot of people, especially if you were in a um, very specific um, profession, uh, doctors, things of that nature, you're, you're going to need some special disability. The flip side of the life insurance argument, though, too, is not only does the person who earns a lot more need life insurance, but the person who doesn't earn as much um, also needs life insurance. And then I will also go to the point if one person earns everything and the other person earns nothing and the other person who is uh, at home uh, uh, provides care to children, for instance, they still need life insurance, which is often ignored because of the dynamics of, of splitting duties, right? Now, let's go away from life insurance because the point of this conversation is not really about life insurance, it's about the dynamics of two adults sharing money and then seeing different value in the amount of money they bring in. I think the biggest challenge is when a couple that is in this situation, and you and I have seen this situation a lot, Dame, is when they don't share common financial goals. Because inevitably, what happens is, and I'm, I'm going to not split words here. I'm just going to say it in the easiest way to say it. The person who makes the most money has their goals. The person who doesn't make much money compared to the other person has their goals, but their goals are reliant on the other person's income. And, and no, that's not the way you should think of it, but that's what ends up happening if you don't have that conversation. Yeah, we end up getting to a place really easy where uh, if you do have this conversation and it doesn't start to go well, typically the higher earner might think, well, $1 equals one vote. I right. got all the dollars and I'm going to make the decisions on what we actually do with this cash. It can't be that way. It can't be that way. There's no quicker way to destroy a relationship rather than basically putting somebody in a position of, um, well, since we're just saying it, almost financial abuse at that point, saying I've got the money and I'm going to determine what we do with our cash at that point. That has to be a conversation. It has to be a group choice, a group decision. And frankly, it's a great exercise to get on the same page to figure out what are we going to do to make our life together better. Financial abuse is more common than most people think. And, and it really, it, it, it's, it's a form of bullying, right? It's a form of control. And you often... Yeah, boy, I'm treading lightly. Uh, you often see it where someone is given an allowance that doesn't otherwise have an income, right? Now, that's not always the case. That's not always like, oh, well, that's abuse. But abuse could be present, uh, financial abuse, financial bullying, when when someone makes all the money and the other person doesn't make much or any at all, and then they are they are they are given money out and then they must budget it. And if they have enough, they have to go back to the person. If they, if they run out, they have to go back and ask for more. It gets sticky. Yeah, that's a horrible situation. Now, don't misunderstand what Pete and I are saying. An allowance isn't, um, the concept of an allowance isn't necessarily horrible if you are budgeting all of your money and you've got X amount of dollars that you can spend on whatever you want per month. And you know, we you each get a certain amount of money. Okay, that's fine. Uh, you're trying to figure out how to make your financial life go and make sure you're uh, accomplishing all those financial goals that you've hopefully established together. 
and you've decided that you're going to put some some financial constraints on yourselves to make sure that you can achieve those goals. That's fine. But when it is used as a uh, a means of power over somebody else uh, and to make somebody else feel inferior to you, yeah, that's absolutely bullying and absolutely abuse, and it can't happen that way. And um, hopefully, these are hopefully these are conversations that they get had prior to being married uh, or uh, entering into any serious relationship at that point. But so often they don't because people just don't want to talk about this stuff. The other uh, sign that the allowance is going off the rails is if one person's fun money, you know, people call it all sorts of things, right? I don't know why fun money always bothers me, but when one person's fun money account is a lot more than the other person's fun money, like the allowance, it's like, well, I get 200 a month and you get 100. And then there's always some sort of reason why that doesn't seem exactly fair. No, not at all. Uh, that's uh, another way to, you know, create division in the relationship. You're you're go already going to say I have, I make better decisions than you, I have more responsibility than you, uh, I'm going to take more than you do, and you're just going to be okay with it. That's that's a good way to end up in a very bad spot. I feel like we talked about this topic in some capacity in the last couple of weeks. I, it, it, we're not suggesting there's one way to run the money in your household. I mean, that's just not true. There, there are several different ways to do it. What we're suggesting is uh, if the way you're doing it isn't working and people are getting sideways feelings, stop doing it that way and try something different. Uh, that's what scares us is that and it goes back to two checking accounts versus one. I think, Dame, in your household, you guys have one checking account. In our household, uh, Mrs. Planner and I have separate checking accounts. It's all our money. It's just a logistical thing. And by the way, we used to have one checking account. It, it just became easier to have two. So you just got to find what works. Um, I, I'm a big believer in our money. Um, I will also note, and this is where some really, really smart uh, female financial advisors have schooled me. And they have said, the big power dynamic here that people ignore is that the person earning less will have fewer retirement accounts and will be less prepared for retirement. So then they become too dependent on the other person. And in the event of divorce, even though they equally had the same lifestyle, one person comes out on the other side naturally uh, in a worse position because they don't have their own retirement accounts. And then you get into like divorce settlements and things like that. But that is the that is the power of different perspective, by the way. You know, the financial industry is just dominated by men, has been for decades. Uh, the idea that you're getting different perspectives on things like that from female advisors is exactly why there needs to be diversity in terms of gender within our industry. Yeah, uh, if you are a budding financial planner, there are a number of niches that you could go into to provide massive value inside that industry. So I encourage you to ex explore those and, and find what fits for you. Dame, coming up after the break. Buy now, pay later. It is a huge thing on the internet right now, and there's some new data that suggests, well, there's a there's a weird secret behind it. All that's next on the Pete the Planner Show. I'm Pete the Planner. Our good buddy Gordon Wayne. Hey, Gordo. I got to cough a lot today. I'm going to mute my... Hi, Gordon. Gordon Notes on Facebook. What if Gordon likes being called Gordo or not? I just that just occurred to me. I never have. So from a financial perspective, getting uh, doesn't Gordo mean fat in Spanish? Yeah, that got weird.
From a financial perspective, getting married is not the same as two buddies just living together. What's mine is mine and what's yours is yours. Works fine in the latter and is a recipe uh, for disaster in the other. Marriage creates a family. I agree. Thanks, Gordon. I, I He just said he does not like being called Gordo. <laughs> and boy, did that get weird. <laughs> Sorry, Gordon. Um, Dame... Uh, are you going to do the do the heavy lifting on this segment? Sure. All right. <clears throat> Tell me when you're ready. I'm like, my brain's like four steps slow today. Are you going to introduce it? Yes. Okay. Did I misrepresent the, within the tease of the, what, what you're going to offer us? No. Okay. No, we'll, we'll work it out. Even if it didn't, no, <laughs> nobody remembers after a no commercial break. Nobody cares. Uh, can I complain about something real quick? And so it's not on the air. Old man gripey edition. Uh, a little bit. Uh, it's a really unpopular opinion. Okay. I hate all the gambling that's going on right now. <laughs> Everywhere you turn, there's an ad for the new gambling app or the new sports book that's going into professional stadiums. I, it's... I, I understand that Europe has had this forever, but it is so weird to see it here. I admit I am lame. I am a square. I am old-fashioned in many respects. I hate all the gambling. I hate all the sports. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. And it's like, yeah, people can do whatever they want with their money. Uh, and I can't control it, and I don't want to control it. But I'm just saying, like, I think we're... You, you take the increase of sports gambling... You take something like Robinhood, which has sort of turned investing into gambling. You take cryptocurrency, which has turned currency into gambling. And, and, and now you just got a bunch of gambling. And it's like, well, what are we doing? That's not a strategy. That's just gambling. It's, it's entertainment mixed in. It's, it sucks. Yeah, I, uh, I was going to try and make a joke about gambling the, the new way using crypto, but there's you already covered it so and i know we you know we took a pretty good break uh talking about crypto on the show mm -hmm. and all those sorts of things but it, it's in the news china just burst the bubble man uh with all the regulation they're like now nah, uh, cryptocurrency transactions are uh illegal now in china yeah it's going to be interesting to see where uh where this all leads gordon with another point that that is the real sad part of this he says guarantee that there are kids going to bed hungry tonight because of gambling 100% true. Dame, I can tell you, uh, you know, our business, the, for, for those that don't know, your money line is uh, we're professional financial problem solvers, which sounds crazy. But we our big team goes into businesses and those employees have access to people like Damien and his team. And we just solve people's financial challenges all the time, all day long for hundreds of thousands of people uh, around the country. And so, Dame, this all started because I used to go into break rooms in the workplace and do one-on-ones with people all day long, all week long, and just try to do that same thing. And, and I can tell you, I've had these conversations about gambling in the past. About And this is before the prevalence of sports gambling. This is when your UPS guy used to go around and he was your bookie. <laughs> that was the whole thing. Did you know that? No. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I, I don't really want to say more because I don't want to get sued or something. But... At one point in time, a delivery person who would go to several business would run, would run, and it wasn't UPS, okay? Of course not. No. They would run the sports book. 
because they would go to one place and they would, uh, you know, whatever. Anyway, so I'm in, in these counseling sessions with people about money and it comes out that they like gambling addictions and it's, it is horrifically sad. It is horrifically sad. Sure. All right. That's genius though. If you're a, a, a delivery driver and you've run in a sports book, genius. Think of all the other kinds of deliveries you can make on the side. I have some more old man gripey I need to get out. You want to wait for the next break? No, because it's it's similar. Okay. I feel the same about the lottery. And I and I, I and this is obvious. I'm, oh, I'm a bunch of old funny duddies feel this way about the lottery. I don't like all the PR the lottery does to say all the good it does. <laughs> because it it traps you into going, oh, okay, oh, it's fine. It's I don't know. I'm, uh, I see we, we've done gambling. Well, yep. that sort of stuff. Then lottery. Yep. I really don't want to ask you your opinion on the toll road at this point. I love the toll road. Do you like that we sold it or leased it? That doesn't bother me that much. Okay. That's where I was going because some it, people are really against that. Next week, we're going to explore why I hate dancing. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, all right. Here we go. In three, two, one. Back on the Pete the Planner show. Dame. We've talked about on the show recently this idea that uh, if you're on the internet and you want to buy something and you don't have the money to buy it, it's a big ticket item, whether you're a 16-year-old kid or a 43-year-old handsome Midwesterner, that's a little heavy. There are options out there with buy now, pay later that have been digitized. They have been modernized and it is all the hotness right now and is helping retailers have record sales. But Dane, recently we've learned that there's some interesting data around the types of people using these services that, that speak to something a little deeper and a little scarier. Help us understand what I'm talking about here. Yeah, these transactions don't always uh, work out quite as well as maybe they were intended. A, a third of U.S. consumers who used buy now, pay later services have fallen behind on one or more payments. And 72% of those people said that their credit score has declined. Okay, read the numbers again. I got distracted. I was looking at myself in the mirror. Mm. A third of U.S. consumers that have used this service have fallen behind on one or more payments. Okay. A third. Okay. Uh, a third of people uh, are, are missing payments on these pay easier processes. So that that is not terribly surprising. But then the next part is these things do show up on your credit report. 72% said that their credit score has declined. See, that's that. just so people understand here, we don't particularly care about credit scores in the sense we don't think they make you healthy or not healthy. However, there are certain elements of the credit report that actually make a lot of sense. The ability to pay your bills on time, the willingness to pay your bills on time, and the track record of paying your bills on time is why you should or should not have a high or low score. And this is certainly proof positive. Dame, just before we go any further in the study, what's on the horizon for those people that decided to buy something on Amazon and, and make five easy payments of six bucks and then miss a payment? What is on the horizon? What is on the horizon for them in terms of their financial life in the coming years because of their missed payments? Well, they're going to have to be patient for that credit score to come back up. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, they're going to not get quite as good at deals for uh, financing. Their insurance rates may actually increase. 
if you change jobs and you go to a job that checks your credit score for whatever reason before you you go in, it could potentially damage job prospects as well. So it's uh, it does it could have some very serious consequences to your life. Even though you think well, it's just a couple of payments that I miss, it's not that big a deal. Well, it, it could be if even if you don't care about your credit score, somebody else might. If you need to uh, you know borrow money or get a new gig or whatever the case may be, it, it could could wreak some havoc on you. Do those companies run um, credit checks and stuff when you apply for four dollars a month financing? It's a fair question. I've never done it. I don't think they do however all right i'm looking right now i i, I love that i just do the research yeah. on, on the air everybody do my research on the air everybody else loves it too can i give you another stat here please do most consumers who use these services these buy now pay later services said the purchase was for 500 dollars or less on average what percentage just says most it didn't give me an exact percent but most so i'm gonna that's got to be like 80 percent. no i have no idea what percentage it is but most consumers say it's 500 dollars or less which is i don't know surprising to me and i will also note that from where i've seen these services online they're not for necessities no necessarily they're for they're for the gap or, or for banana republic they're just for like sites that yeah people need clothes i get that but, but, but the, so what, what you and I are not saying is low income people should not have access to credit. That is not our point whatsoever. Our point is that people are buying non-essential goods um, once, if you will, in a very dangerous way. In fact, Afterpay, who is one of these services, a digital payment platform offered to online shoppers that allows them to delay payments on purchases, no credit check is required to use Afterpay. And here's the other element that also bleeds into a question I got during a live event the other day. Um, there is no interest charged. On some. On some, on this one. Now, I got a question the other day in an event. This person said they had $10,000, um, but it was 0% interest. So should they can still consider, consider that credit card debt? $10,000 balance on a credit card, 0% interest. They wanted to know since they don't have interest, if it's still bad and it's still considered debt. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that sounds like, yes. Next question. No, but, and I'm not making fun of that person, but that sort of thinking is created with these buy now, pay later mechanisms. Yeah. A little addendum to that last stat of the $500 or less. The low-cost purchases were most common among Gen Z. That hits home. Yeah. Nearly half of which used these services for expenses to pay $100 or less. How, what's, do you know what, what the common, um, how they spread it out? Is it just a year usually? Is that the, the most common? I think a lot of it depends on the amount that's financed or that's that goes into the the agreement. So if it's, you know, underneath, you know, 500 bucks, you probably have four to six months, I would guess to pay it off. If it's over a certain dollar amount, it stretches the terms out a little bit, but I mean, these are, um, these services are relatively new and they do differ quite a bit. Some are no interest. Some do charge interest on top of everything else. So you got to know what you're getting yourself into. All right. So I'm, I'm looking at Afterpay, which is one of these right now, uh, pay over six weeks, never pay interest six weeks six weeks um 
paid off over six weeks, never pay interest. Make the first of four payments now. So you pay uh, four payments within six weeks. Hmm. What? I, I, okay. My guess is that is because it matches up with pay periods. Hmm, I bet sure. that somehow, if I did the math here, uh, it would be the biweekly pay f- frequency. Yeah, and if uh, if we're looking at this um, through a different lens, you know, the proclivity of uh, check cashing places or payday advance uh, places. I mean, th- this service does line up pretty well with what we see in those industries as well. So, um, I would be really interested to know more on the demographics of the people that, that responded to the survey. And it wasn't a small survey. It was a, it was a large survey, statistically significant survey that, that was, um, performed here on this. So, and depending on, you know, what what the demographics were of, of what they, uh, they chose. And these numbers are a little shocking. Can I make a point here about, uh, old, like, you know, I'm an old man gripey. Everyone knows this. Uh, but I, I want to make a counterpoint to my normal old man gripey about this. How people pay in, in, in fintech and in sort of digital payments is completely evolved from where you and I were when we were in our 20s, right? Like, it, it is night and day difference. So that's to say there is going to be growing pains as we more um, efficiently transact business with people to, to the point where, you know, one of the, the first iterations of this was the Starbucks app on your phone, right? I, I remember when this came out, it was revolutionary that you could just scan your QR code at the register and all of a sudden that you're making a payment. And that was a really important step with alternative payment methods. And since then, it just has continued to evolve. And so there are going to be steps back, which I believe to be the case with some of these buy now pay later solutions. Yeah. I was speaking with one of our coworkers, Lisa, about this very thing earlier this week. And, uh, she spent a significant amount of time overseas and she said, you'd be surprised at how advanced some of the, uh, other countries are with things just like this. They've been around for longer than we've really experienced them here in the U S and, uh, she, she had some really interesting stories. If you, okay. Before we go to break, if you get a chance to pay at a pay terminal, are you, in, are you inserting your card? Are you swiping your card? Are you tapping your card? Are you tapping your phone? Are you tapping your watch? How do you pay with your debit card? I, I would love to just tap, but I can never get the darn thing to work consistently. So yeah. I insert. Old man problems. Yeah. I tap my card, but I've now started tapping my phone and right. I am thrilled. Coming up after the break, biggest waste of money of the week in the news right here on the Pete the Planner Show. I'm Pete the Planner. All right, you you got your news stories ready to go here? I have to reorder them now that I just burnt one on segment three. All right. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm going to pull up my biggest waste of money of the week, and we're good to go. Let's just go. All right. In three, two, one. This week's biggest waste of money of the week right here on the Pete the Planner show is, Dame, every once in a while I do a biggest waste of money of the week that is not actually a waste of money. It is, in fact, kind of awesome. And this week, I have a really expensive one that's kind of awesome. Sylvester Stallone's Rocky Three Boxing Gloves. 
They're certainly not as desirable as his gloves from the original Rocky. But seen as how those are now part of the National Museum of American History, Sylvester Stallone's boxing gloves from Rocky III aren't a bad consolation prize. The red Toughwear brand gloves are display ready and are coming up for auction as part of a larger collection of Stallone memorabilia that will be sold by Julian's on Sunday, December 5th or something like that. I clicked away. Oh, yeah, so, so December 5th. What do you think, Dame? The starting bid is $10,000 for Rocky gloves from Rocky Three. Which 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 movie was Rocky Three? Was that Mr. T or was that Hulk Hogan? I can't remember. I think they're in the same one. Yeah, oh. it's at Clubber Lang okay. is uh, Mr. T and Thunderlips right. is Hulk Hogan. So that is the that is the one. Rocky Four, of course, is the uh, uh, Russian. The Russian. Yeah. Yeah. Rocky Two is somehow forgettable in some regard. I think that's the one that Carl Weathers it's is, the re- is. It's the rematch, right? Between Apollo Creed and... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the latest rock, I don't remember which one it is. I uh, The latest one, it was like, a, just was amazing. Is it Creed 2? Are you counting the Creed movies? Oh, as, I guess I should. The, the latest Rocky one was amazing, but I also loved Creed, and I love Creed 2. I don't know if I've seen 2 yet. Oh. Uh, what, yeah. pe- what piece of movie memorabilia mm. would you buy? I'd say the bone organ from um, Goonies. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean that's it's obvious. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's clearly. the only it's the only thing I would buy. Clearly, I'd have to go with the um, Tomcat from Top Gun. Yeah, that fourteen. I, it looked great in my driveway. Did we mention on the show that Top Gun got delayed again? Uh, again, uh, again. You're never going to see that movie. No, I, we're going to. You know, Penny Benjamin's going to get Social Security before that movie comes out. Dane, what's in the news this week? A bill introduced by senators from both parties would help high school students achieve financial literacy by giving them money and then matching a portion of that, uh, which they continue to save. The program to get this name. This is a, the possibly the longest name of a bill I've ever heard. Okay. The program to inspire growth and guarantee youth budgeting advice and necessary knowledge. What's the acronym? Piggy Bank. Oh, stop. The Piggy Bank Act. So, you, okay, so you give teens money and they can either spend it or save it? No, hold on. If passed, the bill would create a financial matched savings pilot program where high school students would receive $300 initial deposit and have up to $25 per month of extra savings put into the account matched. The program would require students to make, uh, sorry, to take a financial literacy class. The students would then be able to withdraw their funds a year after graduating high school for certain things such as paying for education, starting a business, buying a house, or to offset medical hardship. I don't mind this. I was I was trying to hate it for a second, but I actually don't mind that. That doesn't. That, I mean, something's going to go wrong, and it will likely never happen. But it makes sense. Yeah, I, between uh, between the name of the act, the Piggy Bank Act, which sure. I can fully get behind, the uh, idea of that, uh, and also when you look at the other stats that say only about 57% of American adults are considered financially literate, and I mean, that's not great. Better try and get in front of that train uh, as early as you can. And if you can do that while they're in high school and you're giving them a little bit of money to get started, 
I'm, I, I think I'm okay with that. Yeah. I, so here's my thing with government spending. Uh, and I'm not getting political. I promise. <laughs> I promise. But likely I'm. I want targeted spending to help those who are marginalized. Like that, that's what I, that's what I want. Right. So to me, this has the potential, potential to do that much in the way that I feel like the advanced child tax credit accomplishes the same thing It's reduced child, uh, or poverty and children going hungry, uh, because of that functionality of making the tax credit an advanced tax credit. And I like that. Dame, I, I will know, and I'm trying not to be cynical. Isn't it more likely that a more financially stable family will have a student working and so therefore it will more benefit people who are financially stable as opposed to people who are not? Or is that a, is that an anecdotal nightmare that I've just introduced? I don't know. I don't know if more financially stable families have their kids working because I don't think a lot of kids work today anymore. That's a good point. Uh, I think uh, the kids that work do so because they don't really have any other choice. If they want some money, they're going to have to go get it. What else is in the news? Guessing game time, Peter. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm ready. What percentage of Americans trust human financial advisors? Oh, geez. Um, what percentage of Americans trust human financial advisors? I'm going to go 62%. Little high, little high. 48%. Now, really? Now, what percentage trust robo advisors? Oh, who, can you tell me who did the survey first? Uh, Vice, V I S E, not Vice, the news news group, but uh, <laughs> news group. Yeah, Vice. V -I. What is Vice? Oh, there it's a robot. Um, why? It's seventy six percent. Eleven. What? Eleven percent. I have. I don't want to make this about the story. I want to make this about me. Those were some bad guesses. Yeah, it was not great. However, I mean... 11% of people trust robo-advisors? Yeah, which is crazy. It makes I, no sense. I know. I mean, I trust financial advisors. And I don't want to say I trust robo-advisors more than financial advisors. But I know the one thing you're removing by getting a robo-advisor is human emotion. And that's what makes it theoretically better. Yeah. What? Yeah, I, in, people are in, not smart. In theory, in general, plain vanilla investing, a robo advisor should be a genuine consideration for most people because there is no human element. All you do is worry about putting money towards the uh, the goal or the account, and it just happens. What's the name of this survey? Who did it? It was in USA Today. Um, let me send you the link real quick. Well, yeah. What's the name of the company? V what? V I S E. V-I-S-E. Yeah, probably just giving this company way more publicity than we should. Well, no, I just like, oh, here it is. Technology-powered investment manager that provides financial advisors with customized and intelligent investment solutions to help their clients. So to me, this is about the advisor and not robo-advisors. They, they are saying advisors are more trustworthy than robo-advisors. Is that, is that their offering? That's what they're saying, but I'm not really all tuned up about either of those numbers. I understand people not trusting financial advisors. Sure. I absolutely do. And I think sometimes it's a, it's a, it's an education situation, right? You, you don't trust what you don't understand, but they really don't understand robo advisors then. No, 
do we need to do a quick uh, quick what is Go a ahead. robo advisor robo advisor uh, it is basically a computer algorithm computer program whatever you want to call it that picks your investments based on answers that you give to certain questions figures out your risk tolerance based on time horizon and all sorts of good stuff and then manages your portfolio for you it checks it on a daily basis makes the adjustments on a whether it's a weekly quarterly or whatever uh, basis it gets set up on and there's no emotion to it. It just says, this is where you need to be. And it figures it out for you. Use is ETFs, very low cost investments. There's no emotion in it. It just makes the changes as they're needed. I just don't understand what is there to not trust. Do they think like the Terminator army is going to like take their Yeah, this is whoever survey also trusts cryptocurrency, just so you know. Probably. Probably. Yeah, it's like, oh, what's the third option? Cryptocurrency. Oh, 100%. All trusted. in. All the, absolutely. All in. Yeah, I'm in. Yeah. It's the blockchain blockchain <laughs> solves everything dame uh do you have a 10 second story no no I don't. <laughs> then we're stalling no dame thanks for all of your work this week for all our listeners mom i love you we will talk to you next week here on the show sending you good vibes because good vibes are all that's in the budget this is the pete the planner show right here on the pete the planner radio network so there you go that is, I'm I'm on the Vise site now. I probably should have looked that up before I. The future. Well, hey, this whole show is about making statements and not having any uh, data or supporting evidence. Vise is a technology-powered investment manager that provides financial advisors with customized and intelligent investment solutions to help their clients achieve their goals. That's a lot of copy. Yeah. You know what I hate. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I mean, look, I, I bet we even say this in some of our copy. I, I hate the phrase, a personalized approach. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know why. It, 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 it's like um, unprecedented times, right? <laughs> like it, it just, it's, it's nothing. Personalized approach. I'm going to try and remember that. Slip it in at various points in meetings from now on. What? Oh, I'm, 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 I'm sucked into the site now it, so I can create silence for the podcast so I can just read this site. Oh, you can go cut it out and post. Okay, that's true. Yeah, because that's what I want to do is edit. Uh, all right, everybody. Dame, I'm going to go. Good. Best of luck with your life, everybody. Oh, wait. Um, and Michael says, I, you, you will get your stride back for live and in-person events. You know, the thing, I, that's an interesting point, Michael. I have been doing more in-person events recently mm-hmm. and still the live virtual events. And part of me thinks my fatigue is the fact that both are happening and they're so very different that they take different types of brain power. Whew. It's, it is different. And, and, and by the way, no one feels sorry for me. <laughs> like, I'm not asking you to feel sorry for me. I'm just tired. So don't feel sorry. Everything's fine. All right, Dame. See you later, everybody else. As you know, stay getting money.